What's up, YouTube? Jackson here. It's Roxy Fever. It's your Roxy Fever for the week. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different this time. Uh, I'm on my own, no Vias or Elliot this week, but joining me uh, live from Vancouver is uh, the host of a brand new podcast that uh, we all know and love already, the Broadscast. It's Georgia Twist. Georgia, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so tired, Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) I I wish I could say I'm doing great, but I'm I'm so tired. We recorded an episode a couple nights ago that uh, got nuked for reasons I won't get into. And uh, I'm just very happy that we've been able to bring you in here as uh, as sort of a pinch hitter. Um, We've been meaning to have you on for for ages and ages, uh, but it just multiple... uh, there have been multiple hiccups, so hopefully this one works out and goes out on the main feed, and there's no problems. So, yeah, fingers are crossed. Last time, last time was hectic. I think I ended up being Patreoned. That's correct. No, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Which it's the fair, same thing like, with. I'm a VIP, so. <laughs> yes. No. Fair <laughs> enough. The the person I actually feel um, the worst for in that sense is actually Justin Morissette because he's been on the show twice. Um, once on the Patreon, and then the other time he had to share his appearance and get second billing to J.D. Burke, so I'm going to have to fix that one soon. Um, the entirety of this show is literally just I have my friends on as guests. I probably could get uh, like bigger guests, but I just don't really want to because I, I don't know. Like I, I, can't, I feel like I can't ask a stranger uh, a question about like, you know, Jake Vertanen and the Orc Cop movie or whatever. <laughs> like, that's not so... You can't just, like, pull that out on, like, or like Rick Jacob Dollywall Mark, Jacob or whatever. penis or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm not just going to, like, Dollywall. ask... I'm not just going to... Yeah, I'm just going to ask Rick Dollywall, like, <laughs> so, have you heard about Markstrom's hog? He's going to be like, what? What kind of show is this? Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll start with the with the podcast. Um, yeah. You guys just released your first episode, I think, today. Yeah, is that correct, morning. or was it yesterday? No, okay. this morning. Great. Um, so why don't you just tell our listeners like what's the deal with the broadcast? Okay, so forever ago, I got added to a group chat. Just a bunch of ladies on Connect Twitter. I think actually Danny might have started it just to complain totally. about someone being a dick probably and uh then kind of over the course of time sam had mentioned oh maybe we should do something um we all have really kind of varied skill sets uh i really like to do art vanessa's kind of into the tech side and sports marketing danny's a writer sam's just snark central (laughs) mal's hilarious so it's kind of like oh what should we do and then during COVID, we kept getting kind of messages from people kind of insinuating that we should maybe do something. So we decided to do it at like literal spur of the moment. I cannot stress how unprepared we are <laughs> for what happened. Did we think that we'd be on breakfast television? Absolutely not. So uh, yeah, we were, I was up in Whistler and we were like, should we do this? Yeah. Um, we kind of stole some of the uh, Seattle Kraken marketing techniques <laughs> <laughs> released uh, released that video um, 
and then kind of the video was good yeah I liked the yeah video it was a lot. a lot of fun it took so fucking long to get us all organized into who who was responding how we were responding uh what we were doing it on uh and then we so yeah we did that released that just kind of watched that blow up um and then panicked because we're like, oh, oh, we need to do this now. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically that's bas- that's just been the last week has been frantic chaos. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I can I can imagine. I know when when we started the show, it's a lot of work, and it's a lot more work than you realize it's going to yeah. be because I think the general the general attitude around podcasting is that it's kind of for people who like don't want to do real work. Um, and to some degree that's true. Like I find it a lot easier than writing, but, uh, I think people just underestimate the initial work that, that has to be done just to get everything set up, get the show onto, you know, Spotify and Apple and Mm -hmm. get hosting figured out and get, tech and recording remotely figured out and all that and then once you get all that figured out it's basically no work at all except for the producer (laughs) but um the initial like investment is often a lot more like there's a lot more moving parts to it than you initially realize but um you mentioned danny going on breakfast television so i guess the the next thing uh, i want to ask about is just like the response you guys have gotten to the show so far which has been Really interesting for like a number of different reasons, but I guess I'll I'll just start with like how crazy is it that it blew up so quickly? Like, were you expecting that at all or were you surprised by it? No, like, so I think uh, this is where it got kind of interesting because I think we all knew that there was definitely a gap. Like, there's no women like a a female-led podcast that's not in existence here and also if you look at sports radio in vancouver there's like three women and so we knew that there was a gap and we knew that like because of how we are on twitter and we have followers um uh, a lot of female followers are people who are kind of into kind of our shtick um as you could say Uh, So we knew that that was there. I don't think we thought that like Brett Pesci's dad would follow us or (laughs) that like Chris Johnston. (laughs) You got the Sarah, you got the Sarah Sivian bump. That that has to be how how Pesci's dad ended up following. Yeah. Or like Brett Brett Pesci's dad, Joe, uh, star of such films as Goodfellas (laughs) and the Irishman. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I have to do that because the, because that's like a, because Vias isn't here, I have to interrupt myself to make terrible <laughs> fun jokes. But. Um, or like Chris Johnson, like that legitimate people would be taking us super seriously. Um, so we didn't expect that. I think the first day it was basically just us sending back and forth like, holy shit, we're at this this number of followers. Holy, like this is where we are. This is where we are. And then I think that kind of just steamrolled because then suddenly people who – uh, wouldn't have necessarily seen us before I saw us and then they wanted to talk about what was going on so like we've been on all the radio stations in Vancouver pretty much um, yeah Danny went on breakfast television and it's kind of it's kind of just snowballed from there really um obviously there's also been like a certain amount of negative attention yeah um which is basically unsurprising like and it's it uh, it's obvious that that's gonna happen when you have a like a a podcast with a sort of 
I hate to I hate to say like identity based conceit, but yeah, that's the best like phrase yeah. I could I could think of. Yeah, no, that's um, fair. and but it's also just true of like basically anyone who gets into like hockey media there will yeah. always be someone who who wants to be shitty but the the i'm less interested in that and more interested in i think like a third element of the response to the show that hasn't really been talked about yet that i'd be curious for your take on which is the sort of like patronizing element yeah and i don't know if if you've actually dealt with that very much or if it's just something that me being the type of person that I am I picked up on (laughs) sort of like you know um under the surface but yeah I have seen like a lot of people kind of um take this very like it's obviously it's nice to see people supporting it but they're almost taking this sort of like head padding approach like oh let the girls have a turn you know yeah Um, and more perhaps more pointedly i've seen other people um support it in a a very obviously sort of like clout chasing way so i'd just be curious for your your thoughts on on that element of the response and if you've seen much of it and how you feel about it oh yeah we see that (laughs) (laughs) okay good i'm not i'm not crazy then that's good (laughs) no uh again in the group chat it's been shared (laughs) (laughs) But that's where all the good stuff goes. Yeah, the real, exactly. The real key is uh, is you got to sell like a Patreon tier to your podcast where you get to be in the group DM. Yeah. Because that's the actual good content. All the all the best stuff gets left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Brendan Leipzig knows that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like it is definitely weird, especially because like it sounds so shitty to say and it. I don't know, it's kind of a weird douchey thing, but being a woman on Twitter, you get really weird stuff going down. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's just the reality, like, you get a lot of fucked up stuff said to you or the way that people respond, reply guys, or, like, they're just the worst people. <laughs> and <laughs> and so it, it was really funny, I think, for me, like, watching the followers on the account tick up and be like oh i've blocked that guy oh that guy called me a dumb bitch (laughs) yes oh this guy hates me and so like that was really funny to see and like i actually got uh, i'll read this dm that i got from this guy who he went after me after the leipzig stuff because i was i called it out and i said this is really shitty (laughs) and then so one of the things we're gonna do on the podcast was we had this idea of, oh, yeah, let's just read the dumbest DMs that we get because you just get really stupid DMs from people. And like sure. that was just a preliminary joke. And then we realized, oh, that's really problematic because people are going to be sending us stupid shit just to get. Yeah. The then podcast. it becomes like that almost sort of beca- becomes the point. And people yeah, yeah. start like actively trying to participate in it. In it. That's actually something that uh, that we like talked about really early on where we were like, Oh, like we should do a thing where we just like read the dumbest Reddit comments. Um, <laughs> but then we were worried that like if if our if the show got too popular, people would start like intentionally doing that, and that would ruin it. You know? Yeah. Okay. So this guy got mm. he was very upset with me during the Leipzig thing because I totally. was accusing all men and um, because the it wasn't even that bad and your group chat is probably worse and i was like oh, oh yeah i remember that off, guy <laughs> dick anyway then he dms me my own account and he goes yeah. 
thought the first episode of Broadcast was okay. I'm just concerned that if you do a bit every episode trying to clap back mean tweets, you're going to invite more of them, and it gives off the appearance that they're living rent-free in your heads. My two cents. <laughs> like, fuck Very cool. you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so these are the people that, like, yeah, they, I don't know, it's it's almost like they think they have ownership over you sometimes. We got a Certainly. lot of response. We, yeah, we got, and, and that's the patronizing thing, and we get a lot of stuff like, uh, so far where it's like, oh, well, you guys are okay, but all you're doing is gossiping, so we don't really care. And it's like, what the fuck are trade rumors, you dumbass? Like, Yeah, it's all it's, it's all gossip. gossip. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> so, uh, like, just because we're talking about Austin Matthews getting clowned on TikTok by his ex-girlfriend, which will probably impact the Leaf series, let's just be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's also, like, more interesting than whatever. Like, what else would you talk about with the exactly. Leafs right now? Like, how yeah. they're going to fare against the Columbus Blue Jackets? Like, yeah. it's not it, – it, it's it's one of those things where – and this is a, a thing that I ran into a lot, especially when I was still, like, with Canucks Army, is that, like, if you don't have access, then there's no interesting way to do that. Yeah. And so I've never understood why people expect like, you know, it's sort of like everyone basically expects a certain type of person anyways, expects you to behave as a fake media person when you're starting out. And then eventually, you know, your ticket will come up and you'll become a real media person. But the problem is that you can't actually be an interesting, polite, normal, like media person until you are in the room and have access and a yeah. mic and a, and so it's kind of like really when people are are saying that they're, what they're really just telling you is like shut up yeah you know we don't want yep. like a different perspective you know yeah and so that's that's been like i don't know it's just been kind of a weird side to like to be fair most of the stuff that we've gotten so far has been really really good totally. um but even in that like you were saying before there is there's stuff that we know it's performative. <laughs> like, yeah, there's stuff where there's people interacting with you or kind of doing stuff in, and you you know that it's either a for cloud or b, it's just it's not real. And and there are people who are DMing us and offering help and and being really great. I'm not gonna lie, people in the Absolutely. media, people like everyone. Um, but yeah, there's there's the people who are. <laughs> Who are RTing stuff and or quote tweeting, I guess, and then like they're not. It's just surface level, and you, and you can Absolutely. kind of see that. And it's also we're in a weird time with everything that's going on, and I feel like a lot of people think that they need to perform and enact everything on their timeline to be able to prove that they're not racist or not misogynist yes. or not um, homophobic or not da da da. And so. A lot of times you just you see the empty like the empty RTs and all that kind of stuff. And that that's annoying, but you can't really do anything about it. And no, it's not necessarily it's just like worth a, it's a weird it's a weird side effect, though. Like other podcasts, <laughs> I'm sure are not getting the same kind of uh, reaction. I guess, no, I but. wouldn't think so. The thing that I always just find the, the thing that I found funny and I mentioned it uh, the other day is is just seeing people that, like, yourself and um, Mal and, I mean, gosh, really all, all all of you except for Vanessa, who's generally very, like, um, a lot more pretty diplomatic and um, kind of 
less controversial than the other four of you, I would mm. say, but still manages to piss people off a lot. Yeah. Um, like, you guys don't shy away from controversy. And yeah. uh, you've attracted a lot of, like, negative attention onto yourselves. And so it's funny to see, like... Um, people who have feuded with you guys or gotten angry at you guys for certain things that you've said or done all of a sudden sort of turn around and, and be like, Oh, the show's going to be great and, and blah, blah, blah and whatever, because it's, it just, it's almost like that. There's this feeling of like, you know, like it doesn't make you a sexist to not like a show that has women on it. You know, like I would never listen to call her daddy. Like I'm not like, I'm excited about your guys' show because I like all five of you and I know your takes are going to be good and your show's going to be good. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like this weird sort of response that certain people have where it's like, well, I guess I have to like these girls now or it's going to be bad for my personal brand. And um, I just hate that. Like the, the, yeah. the whole self-promotional aspect of of podcasting and media and all that is is – it's definitely my least favorite element and it's a big part of the reason why I kind of stepped away because it's just yeah. so um I I try to just I, I me personally I try to just be be myself or like at least a version of myself and constantly having to worry about how behaviors are going to reflect on my brand or whatever it uh it just drives me insane. <laughs> yeah, no and I think um like probably what's funny is these people or certain people or whatever who are really doing this is like it's because we've been we have been critical of them in the past about their behavior and so it's almost like they they're like oh shit we gotta do this otherwise we're gonna get in trouble again from us like I don't know if you want to cut this, but in mm-hmm. thinking particularly about the large cast, the sure. reason I got blocked from the account is because I asked them when they were going to have a woman on. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and I, you know? I want to make it clear too. I will, leave, I will leave that in, but I, I want to <laughs> make it clear that, like, for for honestly, like ninety five percent of the time, I make no smoke with those guys, and I don't care, yeah. and they can do whatever they want, and it's fine. And I, and I'm also like not referring to them specifically. Like, if you think that uh, that you know, like these particular five guys or whatever with a podcast are the only people that have feuded with uh, with you guys or with <laughs> us. Like that's not true. I And I actually almost sometimes feel bad um, for them in the sense that I think that sometimes they just get to be like, it's like they're the poster boy for a certain type of Canucks Twitter person. And yeah. it all just gets wrapped up in like, that's the large cast in the same way that like, when I was with Canucks Army, it was like that brand was yeah. a, it was a certain type of fan, some of whom are really annoying. Like there are some stats people that are so annoying <laughs> and so like wrong. But yeah. it just kind of becomes like a um, a just face like you, you put a one person's face on something and then that person has to suddenly answer for like the entirety of a of a community yeah. or whatever but anyways that's well, about also, 20 to be min- fair like i've we've i think we've been blocked by them for the majority of the time so interactions <laughs> yeah, exactly been, like, so it's like you're not nothing. you can't be yeah you can't be feuding with them because like yeah exactly same same we here. actually um, we got a message today from some guy that was like 
oh, you shouldn't be gossipy or snippy. And he like referenced you. And it was so funny. And oh, uh, and Mal really? and I were like, yeah, Mal and I are like, we got a tweet at some point that we <laughs> we are a pro Jackson McDonald podcast. <laughs> we'll be like, That's so we're, we're pro choice. <laughs> That's pro- so funny. What was how, how did I get referenced? Like, were I'm they gonna find were, it right now? Okay, great. So I need to know this. I'm sorry. I responded, and I was like, dude, your profile picture is an ostrich, but I need to find it. It was very funny. I'm really. Uh, like I'm really excited to hear what the deal. Dude, with this you is. are in these people's heads. Like I, I know have I am. never seen anyone except for me yesterday when I tweeted about Holly Horvat and holy fuck, I'm still getting like death threats. Okay, Doctor Hugh Mungus or whatever. Oh, uh, I know. Uh, I think I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he replied. So uh, we blurred out a certain podcast when we took a screenshot of the uh, ratings because they are uh, awful. And yeah. so we said, please stop uh, asking about shading a podcast that would refer to us as kills. Yeah. And he responded, I think making an effort to steer away from catty, gossipy and pissy discourse a healthy amount of the time will serve you best in the long run. Look how unpopular the last editor of Canucks Army is. <laughs> <laughs> okay people's cats have more twitter followers good luck and then i checked so his profile picture is an ostrich and he has 22 fucking followers like, yeah no Dude, i love that i love that it's go like, away yeah anyway. it's 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 also weird because it's like i mean i don't know like i don't care about my amount of twitter followers like i do so much shit that's just like purposefully alienating because yeah. i just don't want like i want to fly a giant flag that is like hey Big fat annoying communist. Like if that, <laughs> if that bothers you, go away. Because I'm not like. And the funny thing is too is like I know, I know people who follow me that are that are like conservatives. You know, but it's just like yeah. they know what I'm about and it doesn't bother them. So it's like okay, whatever. And I'm not like I'm not trying to like police my followers or whatever. But I am just trying to be upfront about like what I'm like. And mm. this, and the thing is, is that it's like I still have like a completely fine amount of followers for like what I do, which is like host a podcast with not that many people, yeah. uh, that not that many people listen to, rather, and um, and like you know write shit on my glorified Substack <laughs> and um, and like occasionally freelance or whatever. So it's like yeah. it's a very strange. Um, it, the follower people, count is a really dumb thing. I don't get it. It's well, especially because it's so weird. much of it is just like like so many of the people you see that have like five thousand followers or whatever. It, they just got on Twitter in like twenty ten, and yeah. and back when everybody was was getting it, and then those people like aren't on Twitter anymore. You know, yeah. like it's just. Um, it's just a, it's just a yet another dumb thing. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right? But <laughs> anyway, side effect. Of that's uh, over twenty minutes on uh, on you know uh, internet feuds, <laughs> which is which is very appropriate. But uh, this show is ostensibly a hockey podcast and ostensibly what? focused on the Canucks, um, much in the same way that the broadcast is ostensibly a hockey podcast. So yeah. I guess I should ask you about. Um, the the local sports team and the upcoming series, but I guess I'll just preface that by asking: Did you watch the exhibition game the other night against Winnipeg? So we recorded during, so I missed the first period, which I guess was the only good period that the Canucks played. Um, so I saw the second and the third. Okay, that yeah. was it. Fair yeah. enough. We also 
were recording our lost episode that night, so I mm. caught bit, bits and pieces of it. A lot of people said they played well during the first period, but I thought that they, like, they were just okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it, it's it's in the same way that, like, you know, yes, they played well in comparison to the second and third period, but it's... Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you can't take away uh, too much from a uh exhibition game uh especially when the you know everybody's going to be doubly afraid of not getting injured because of the implications of the games that are about to follow but um based on what you saw the other night and also just everything that's happened over the course of the season and then the pandemic what are how do you like the Canucks chances in this series against the Minnesota Wild I, okay, I think they will win in five games. Which is the max amount of games, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what I thought I too, think, but I always like to double check with people because yeah. I think people, a lot of people don't realize that it's not seven. <laughs> yeah, it's like the uh, um, the baseball style. Yes. Um, so I think they'll win in five. I think... Uh, they need to start scoring, so yes. <laughs> that would be nice if that could happen. Um, Brock Besser looked really good. I thought he's – I don't know if it's true that Matt Sikaris angered him so much that he's suddenly okay or if what the fuck he was doing at his three-month three yeah. <laughs> frat house lake party. Yes. But he can suddenly – I don't know. Maybe he was injured a little bit. I don't really know But uh, before the break. But he looked really good. Um, our defense is dog shit. So yeah, it's, it's really basically bad. it's like it was so bad. The I I just was crying almost watching Fantenberg and um Myers. It was like, yes. why? <laughs> Travis, why? Why do you <laughs> want me to be in therapy? <laughs> why? <laughs> so um our defense is dog shit. So it's basically like I think it comes down to goaltending really. And that's where Canucks have the edge. Uh, I'm really happy Jacob Markstrom is back. Um, I he looked a little rusty, though. I have to, yeah, I have to admit. Yeah. I literally found out Alex Stalock's name like 20 minutes before we started recording the podcast <laughs> pod. So is, we'll do see you how think that goes, he's going to be the starter for the Wild, or do you think it's going to be Dubnik? So Danny said that he had been on a hot streak before. Okay. But then I, okay. guess, I guess they split the... Um, uh, the their exhibition game they split the right. time. Okay, so, so they're gonna they're gonna probably just ride with the hot hand. Yeah, yeah. I, like that's what I would guess. But uh, and also like D- like Dubnik has been so bad. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's been very bad. <laughs> so yeah, I I yeah, I think the Canucks will will eke it out. Did you I, read Did you read Dom Lachizan's thing? I. I didn't read it, but I heard what you guys okay, said yeah. on the show about... Uh, he dropped mediocrity. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and I actually think, like, in a weird way, I think he sort of has a point because... No, he does. Yeah. I do think that people kind of... People underestimate the ways in which the Wild are better than the Canucks because yeah. they're very boring ways. Yeah. They it's don't the have the star old power. Wild. Yeah. They don't have the star power. They don't have the goaltending, but they yeah. do have um, the defense. And when I say that, I don't even just mean like their defense core. I mean like their forward group and their system. They play very sound defensively in general. Yeah. And so I Joel I, Erickson Eck, my yes. favorite name in in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think um, it's one of those things where 
it's kind of like you know at the risk of sounding like uh like mr blonde from reservoir dogs or whatever and, (laughs) and being like well either they'll win or they won't um they basically it's sort of one of those things where if a certain amount of things go right for them they'll win very easily but it's also very easy to see the ways in which it could go sideways on them if markstrom has one bad game yeah that's basically it's it's basically a toss-up if the wild can find a way to contain the you know three or four good offensive players that the canucks have that also changes things significantly and i think the biggest thing is just what's going to be the effect of everybody being at home for the last few months because normally under normal circumstances you'd have a sample of games heading into the playoffs that is almost always like the best indicator of how teams are going to do and in this instance like if you were going to go based off of that you'd give the wild the advantage heavily but the problem is that you know we aren't just heading straight into the playoffs there's been this huge gap so if the canucks play like they did at the start of the season they're going to win no problem but if they play like they did at the end of the season and the wild play like they did at the end of the season, then the wild are going to stomp them. So it's kind of one of those things where I feel like we're going to have a way better idea of how things are going to go after the first game. Yeah. I am also, I'm just, I'm so fascinated by the five game structure because it is so much smaller of a swing. Like if you, if you have one bad game, like it, yes, in a seven game series, it's bad, but in this it's like really really bad and then also like there's no fans so that idea of like the home team always has the advantage like everyone always pulls up the stats of which breaks my heart when i think of 2011 yes um that like the team with home ice advantage always wins and then suddenly like that's not even there it doesn't even matter anymore i'm so fascinated yeah by that. it literally like, doesn't exist like yeah and that idea of like momentum and like what does momentum mean now because suddenly you don't have like the the tension of the fans and and you really have to you have to be able to um generate it internally and you just hope that your team like this is such a douchey hockey thing but like you hope your team can like do it themselves and, yes, and yeah. are tough enough to like hammer through. But no, that's absolutely if, correct. Like if they're not in it, if they're not focused, like it can just go. And for someone like Jacob Markstrom, like you mentioned, like he's he's kind of a like a really um, what am I trying to say? Like a I guess like a I I don't want to say mental because that's the wrong <laughs> yeah. word, but like. He's in his thoughts, I guess, and so totally yeah. with that. Swing, He's very like, in his own head. I, yes, I would say thank that's you. definitely. True. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. That that that's the word. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the other big piece of news, I suppose, uh, to the extent that news is happening at all, which we'll get to later, um, is Jake Vertanen did not play the other night. And mm. I mentioned on our last episode that, like, I made a bold prediction that Jake Vertanen was going to be a healthy scratch for game one, which I also made a couple of weeks ago. Um, but 
the thing that I didn't realize was that he wasn't in the lineup that night. So it really wasn't all that bold of a prediction. Um, and now I think pretty much the entire market is is getting ready to accept the reality where Jake Furtanen is not in the lineup for game one. So I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that. Okay, I'm, I am so interested in Travis Green because... <laughs> He seems to play mind games with his players a lot. Like, I just, like, thinking about this, I just think of when he decided not to sit Brock Besser in his first, like, two games. Sure. And he's just like, fuck you. <laughs> You're not playing. And then I think the same thing with Jake Bertanen, like, it, which, again, is weird because he was posting all over Instagram, like, his training and his VOX stuff. But it seems like he showed up out of shape. And I don't know, because the other thing is I heard – uh the jd burke boo yes. on uh <laughs> day and he was talking about like realistically like you want the speed in the lineup but i don't know jake's jake just he annoys me <laughs> yeah <laughs> i understand that i think something that i've uh, like become a little bit more open to in recent days is that we can kind of as as you know more sort of progressive hockey fans who look at stats and care about things like speed and talent and creativity and um and things like that we can kind of sometimes miss the forest for the trees or even just like um kind of oversimplify things sometimes and mm. one thing that um, was mentioned to me in a conversation with a, I think it was Thomas Trance, and I hope he doesn't mind that I'm that I'm sharing this. But one thing that he's talked about a lot this season is penalty killing, right? Mm. And something that comes up over and over again is people will constantly say like, oh, well, you know, how do you have Brandon Sutter in the lineup over Jake Vertanen? Or how do you have Jay Beagle in the lineup over Jake Vertanen? Or mm. how do you have Tyler Maude in the lineup over Nikolai Goldobin? And the answer invariably is those guys kill penalties. And yeah. it's easy to say that, like, yeah, in a vacuum, who would I rather have on the team, Jake Vertanen or, like, who's more talented, Jake Vertanen or Tyler Mott? Obviously, it's Jake Vertanen, but do you yeah. trust Jake Vertanen to kill penalties? No. And I think the way Travis Green sees it is, you know, we want a certain amount of players on the team that can kill penalties. We want a certain amount of players on the team that can take faceoffs. And mm -hmm. in, you know, that's going to be where most of those players' ice time is going to go, and we trust them in those situations. And yeah. so if you're looking at a player like say Tyler Mott, who I think is a perfect example because he's so good on the penalty kill and so terrible in every other situation. How dare you? <laughs> I think the, the question for Travis green is just like, well, I really only have like five even strength minutes to, yeah. to give this player. And I want somebody who's good on the penalty kill and that I don't have to babysit. And the question basically comes down to in a situation like this where it's a, a series and every game, every little mistake really matters. It's mostly just a question of like who is less likely to make a huge bungle in the five minutes of even strength ice time that I'm going to give them. Yeah. And so 
you know, it's it's easy to say like you'd rather have Jake in the lineup because of his speed and his goal scoring ability, but it's not like the Canucks are hurting for speed and goal scoring anymore. Where they're really hurting is on the the defensive side of the puck. And so while like obviously I don't like a lot of their um other options, I do at least see the thinking, whereas before it used to kind of be a situation where I was just like, oh, what's wrong with these guys? But, I mean, Jake's just kind of dumb. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't blame Green for not trusting him. He seems to have, like, I, every time it happens, I just have flashbacks to playing minor hockey and having our coach, like, yell at us for floating on the ice, like, don't yes. float. Yes. I just you when sometimes when you're watching the game, you see that or you see the flyby, which also my <laughs> I'll never forget my minor hockey coach Len would yell at us if we if we did the flyby where you just <laughs> let the player skate right past you and you wouldn't kind of body them. And you see Jake do that sometimes and you just think, dude, what are you doing? You have you're so fast. You have a great shot. Like what are you doing? But it's it's almost like he just, I don't know, his brain collapses sometimes on the ice, and it's partly and you can see you can see why Travis Green would be like, mm, mm, yeah, no, no. It's well, partly I'll, that, I'll for something else. and then it's also partly that it just seems like he doesn't give a shit sometimes. You know, yeah. all the not you know showing up out of shape, and you know not really engaging a lot of the time, and not being able to fucking pick a buck up off the wall. Um, you know, like, it's not that I think he's the worst hockey player in the world. I certainly don't. He had 36 points this year, and, and that's pretty impressive. But it's just that I think at some point, like, you do have to understand just from a human standpoint that yeah. if you have any kind of workplace or any kind of situation where you have a group of people and somebody doesn't give a shit, yeah. It's just you can't have that person around. It, it just doesn't really work. Yeah. I think so. One of the things because I remember um, I think it was that training camp, right? Travis like called him out. Did he call him out directly? I think so. Yeah. Something for like whatever. He just wasn't trying hard. And and then I maybe remember like years ago on the radio, I think it was around when he was drafted and they were talking about how when he played in the dub, he was just like bigger than everyone else. Yes. He's just bigger. And, and I've actually, <laughs> fun fact, I've served him before at a restaurant. And he's huge. Like, Absolutely. Like a hockey player, he's like a chunky guy. In ter- like he looks more like a rugby player. Absolutely. And um, so, th- and they would say like, oh, things were a little bit easy because he was just bit Like he was bigger than everyone else. And so I've always wondered like, did that translate into the NHL? Like the fact that when he was playing junior, he was just bigger, so things came a little bit easier, and then he got to the NHL, and then you're suddenly playing against, yeah, no longer like sixteen year old boys. I don't really know, but that could be something. Um, I think I, that was actually a huge part of the reason why. Uh, I don't know if it was Reese Jessup specifically, but that sort of like crew of, um, you know, hockey graphs, Canucks Army stats related scout people a big critique that they had of jake vertanen and a big reason why they were saying you know don't draft this guy really really high is that the reason he's so good is because 
in the league he's playing in, he's just so big, he's so fast, he's got such a hard shot that he doesn't really have to think. He, he can uh, just yeah. sort of brute force his way into mm-hmm. into scoring, you know, 42 goals in 60 games or whatever, but that that's not yeah. going to translate to the NHL. And I think that's been pretty true, and it's led us to a situation, a pretty baffling situation where it looks like the in 2020, the Canucks' uh, sixth overall pick from 2014, fifth overall pick from 2016, and biggest free agent signing are all going to be in the press box for the closest thing that this team has seen to a playoff game since 2015, which is pretty astonishing. Yeah, it's crazy. It is pretty crazy. Did you guys talk about the Louis? I haven't listened to the last two episodes. I'm sorry. Oh, but- that's fine. No. Did you talk about the Louis Erickson restaurant thing? Is that why we ha- Elliot's name was that? <laughs> no, we haven't talked about it yet, but I'm sure we'll get to it. And it's there's like truly there's amazing certain things where I am kind of glad that we're having you on to just talk about the sort of basic hockey stuff because that's the really pressing stuff. Yeah, and yeah. then you know, there's all this stuff that we can always just get to at a later yeah. um, time frame. But that's definitely on our list, along with a couple other things that I may get to with you, or may just roll over yeah, into yeah. the next episode. But um, one of the things that I wanted to uh, to address, just moving on from uh, the Canucks specifically, is um, the thing that's going on with the media. Where um, you know, I guess my understanding is that basically. With possibly a few exceptions, and I haven't quite been able to like get the concrete terms down, but basically um, the NHL is just not allowing media in the bubble other than NHL.com mm-hmm. writers. And I would be – I'm always curious to get – because I'm at the point now where even though I'm not really a media quote-unquote guy, and I never really was, I mm-hmm. – see all this stuff through the lens of the the media first and so i'm always curious to get the outlook from someone who is a little bit more detached what are your thoughts on that i i don't really know like so it seems like from what i've seen or whatever Mm -hmm. people are just really they're really mad about not getting the lineup Yes. Yeah. That, that's a big. That that's like a big part of thing? it. Okay. Not getting I'm the actually... starting lineup until the game starts. Basically. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, a huge yeah. part of it. Because the the Wild like released theirs and then the Canucks didn't until. Um, yeah, we didn't know Jake Vertanen right away, wouldn't be right? dressing until yeah, 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 until yeah. the game okay. started. Yeah. Yeah, because then uh, in the uh, armies after uh, Wyatt had a really good thing where he's like, I think he was basically like. There's only so many Cam Neely gifts you can pull up in five minutes. Like, it was really funny. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm just trying to, like, scroll through Drance's thing because I was trying to figure out what the hell he's doing because he's in Edmonton. And I thought he tweeted something about what he was doing. I thought someone asked him. Um, fuck. Let me see if I can find it. I think it's that – I think what it is is that they're allowed in for games, but that's it. Yeah, I think that's it because I I saw him saying something about like he he could go in or something. I don't really know. Sure. But yeah. then so really the big cuz everything's on Zoom anyway. Yes. The calls after the game and all that kind of stuff. So really the big thing is just it's the lineups and the game day skates I'm assuming yeah, like practices. they're not allowed in for game for practices. Yeah. So 
Um, I don't care. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I've never been like a, I've never been the kind of fan who consumes like line combinations and totally. is like playing Scrabble with players and yeah, sure. putting them wherever. That's never been something that I've been interested in. Do, um, am I concerned that maybe this sets a precedent for future and what that means? Mm, yeah, probably a little bit because there's a tendency for, um, leagues to kind of do stuff like that absolutely um, yeah and that's i think more my concern think, as well yeah because i think like leagues like soccer the premier league and like european soccer they do um <laughs> hearing and flex the fact that my boyfriend is a reporter and this yes. is what i know yeah uh, <laughs> they do like the walk things so after the game instead of scrumming they just walk along right it's like a yes. media press or it's like what they do at the olympics yes and what that what happens there is you lose the you lose the one-on-one relationships. So someone like Botch um, after would like had uh, a kind of style of scrumming uh, and then after would kind of uh, pull players aside and maybe ask them a little bit more and yes. get the kind of the more in-depth stuff. And so if that's where this leads, that's problematic to me Yeah, because I like sports reporting I love sports reporting when you read and you get that little nugget that no one else would have gotten. And for media people, that's the kind of, that's the gold. Like, that's what they want. And so to lose that is, that's concerning to me. Do I give a shit about the Canucks lines? Not really. I'll sure. See and that's too. a reasonable outlook to have, I think, because my my whole thing with, like, hockey media stuff is that, Obviously, yeah, most of the time it doesn't matter. Most of the time the stakes are really low. But the problem is that if you can't get it right when the stakes are low, then you definitely won't get it right when the stakes are high. And so in a situation like this, I I just think about like – I think back a little bit to what I said about the Steve Simmons thing where it's like if you're so concerned about how your reporting is going to reflect on the league – or a team or a player, then you're really kind of useless as a reporter because you're not yeah. you're not a reporter at that point anymore. You're you're a PR person essentially. Um, I've, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. an anonymous uh, media friend of mine called it standing near athletes. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. It, it, fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. And uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things where I think back to like you know, um, it was I think. Yeah, Akima Liu and um and Steve Downey in junior fighting each other in practice. Yeah. Like I mean, we're not really in, you know, it's the NHL, it's different, but it it that's a great example of a thing where it's like if there hadn't been a media person there to catch that moment, yeah. th- you know, this is a story that still has reverberations now. And it's mm-hmm. really important, and it's bigger than hockey, and it, we're, we only know about it because there was a media person there for a practice, you know? And I'm not even sure yeah. if I'm getting the details right, but it's an example, and it, and it shows you that, you know, there are greater implications beyond just, like, line combinations, and it does really... Um, the, the idea of the NHL and their reporters having the complete monopoly on what information gets reported out of practices yeah. is... is it's just a, a bad precedent to set, and it's not a precedent you would accept in a, in any situation. You know, you wouldn't only yeah. let 
um, people who work for Amazon uh, report stories about Amazon. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But... um, Well, and even just the small stuff, like... Okay, so the LU one's really good for hard-hitting journalism and and for racism and hockey, and that's great. But also, like the dick trick, like we wouldn't have had that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, because, you, you also just because, get like, shittier content. Gone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been gone. We wouldn't have never had that. That's iconic in Twitter. Every time someone's even close, it's trending. Like yes, and those I mean, ki- those kind of things you definitely miss out on. And that is the thing is that the NHL has you know they totally bungle everything especially when it comes to, you know, anything that might approach being interesting to the point where they've yes. where they've actually cultivated it amongst a huge a huge segment of their fan base that gets like yeah. irritated by stuff that's interesting and 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 just craves <laughs> boredom essentially, but you know, like I mean, I I feel like I have to just touch on it briefly, but one great example of um the, you know, the the tone deafness is the um that bizarre, like getting in a circle and locking arms during the anthem or whatever. Did, like, oh, yeah. I, I, I know you, you missed the first period, but like, did you see any of that or, or like. I actually, you know, who had a really great tweet was Riley. Oh, uh, yeah, Reiner. totally. Yeah, absolutely. The, friend of the show. Um, yeah, friend of the pod. Um, I, he had the screenshot of uh, the. What team was it? It was Minnesota and. Who? Minnesota would remember, have it, played. It was the four Fuck, players. I don't remember, oh, yeah. um, Colorado. Yes, it, Nazem yes that's right. It. Yeah. So it was the four players who are people of color, and yeah. it was eerie to see. In yeah. a like, I think what the NHL doesn't get is they just dunk on themselves yeah. so hard with this stuff because they think they they think they're promoting this image of unity <laughs> yes but really they're promoting a really really fucking dystopic illustration of how they understand race and how they understand what it means like what quote-unquote equality means mm-hmm. um yeah. that's that's incredible like it's incredibly visible in in a way that maybe we wouldn't even see if they didn't do that like i every time i see it i i, I cannot believe how much they're just giving us a glimpse into what they really how they really understand having black players and integrating black uh issues of uh racism and issues uh pertaining to yeah people of color all over the fact that they thought it was a good idea to just group all the people of color yeah and then have the white players just like watching them like it's so incredibly fucked up and it's a bad like it's you know that you have made a wrong turn somewhere when you have Dinesh D'Souza like literally saying like hey maybe hockey should be America's national sport because they stand for the anthem and you know and you have like in the past Donald Trump saying like how great hockey is because you know like the players are and it's just one of those things where it's like you know, personally, like, I kind of actually don't want the league to take political stances because I know they will get it wrong because they're, yeah. because they're a, you know, billion-dollar corporation and that's what they care about. And the fact that they care about that actually means that they are they will always be in conflict with things like racial yeah. justice and economic justice and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, but... At the same time, like, 
just from a from an objective like business standpoint the the climate now has reached the point where by not taking a stand you're kind of unfortunately giving the impression that you're making the opposite stand which i know is not actually what they're doing i know they just want this to go away yeah well i think so the other thing that that always gets me is when we have these conversations it's always the talk of the issue with hockey is that they want they have this ideal the hockey ideal right that everyone needs to be that person you need to prescribe to that ideal otherwise you're outside the boundaries and you're out like you have to be X, Y, and Z. And so when you have <laughs> something like this where where they all just look like robots out there, they're all like the same kind of <laughs> thing going on. It's just showing there's no – it doesn't feel organic at all. And I think what yeah. you see in, in, in basketball who has done like a tremendous job <laughs> um, in terms of allowing this kind of expression with their players uh, – that's not there here. And so what then becomes – even more apparent is the symbol of JT Brown raising his fist forever ago and then having Tortorella get really mad, but like it, it just becomes even more singular. And so the d- hockey is just so archaic. Like I don't, I don't know how to explain it other than that. It's just so archaic. And I've just seen people, um, I follow a couple of um, black female hockey fans and, They've just been like, it's just been incredible uh, to kind of see their reaction um, and and the way that they are viewing this in a, in 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 real time and just being like, wow, this league doesn't give a shit about me. And for me, as someone as a woman, my kind of re- relationship with the NHL has been kind of tentative because of issues with misogyny. But to see like this which i don't necessarily understand sure. it's just like it's fucking bonkers to watch i i'm actually i'm glad that we've we've stumbled upon this because it allows me to segue nicely into the last kind of heavy question um i wanted to ask you and then we can we can end on a lighter note with a couple of other things but i guess something that's been like something that i've really been wrestling with for a long time especially leading up to my exit from Canucks Army and the aftermath of that is Mm -hmm. um, there's a saying out in if you've ever lived anywhere where there's a lot of like big bodies of water or a lot of like cross section highways or whatever or like um, like Maine is a really great example but even just like if you've ever tried to get out to Nelson or whatever in BC, there's a thing people will say sometimes when you're looking for directions where you ask somebody like, oh, hey, uh, I'm trying to get to such and such. Can you help me out? And they'll say, uh, you can't get there from here. Mm. Right. And and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's you know, it's just like you actually can't physically get from point A to point B without actually going all the way back around and starting over again. Right. Yeah. And yeah. That's kind of the question that I find myself asking so much with hockey is like, can we get there from here? Because yeah. when you're when you're a hockey fan who is concerned with uh, racial justice, social justice, um, 
gender equality, economic justice, big one for me. Um, the problem with situating your efforts within hockey is that what you are essentially doing is like fighting for the benefit of the NHL and for them to yeah. to make more money basically and have a better uh healthier like business and mm-hmm. obviously like I would like personally for the NHL to be more diverse and to be more fair but I also kind of understand that like there's a ton of limits to that um when it comes to like if if you're only going to work within hockey. So yeah. and that's something I wrestle with a lot. And so I guess I would just be curious for your opinion on you know how worth it is it even to focus efforts within hockey and where the kind of um line is where you start to hit a wall and where you have to kind of look outside of it to to really, you know, help and change things. And I understand if you need to take a moment to think about this too, by the way. <laughs> so I think the thing for me that's complicated with hockey is actually I don't know, like I think we have we have such a weird relationship to it in Canada and I think, like, I, I'm thinking of this as a historian um, and the relationship between hockey and settler colonialism. Absolutely. Um, like, I think the about relation, that all the time. Yeah. Um, specifically, um, the way hockey was used in residential schools mm-hmm. um, to uh, enact a tremendous, tremendous amount of violence on um, Indigenous children. Um, but at the same time, the really complicated way that a lot of them um, found happiness through the game um, in very strange ways. And I recommend um, people watch uh, the movie Indian Horse. Absolutely. Or I've, I haven't seen it, but it's, um, it's a big it's time tremendous. on my watch list. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's a ton of really good scholarship out there. Um, Michelle Robodeau, uh, I think it's Michelle. It might be Michael Robodeau, <laughs> um, has written some really interesting stuff on, in, on Indigenous hockey leagues, um, particularly. And I think there's some really... Uh, actually, so I think what ends up happening is there's this idea of the purity of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that, you know, a skate cutting through ice and a puck getting shot on a net. There's this there's this p- purity, this innocence in hockey. And for me, like, that's kind of what I hold on to, this idea of... And it's kind of quite romanticized and it's almost probably a little bit insane. <laughs> but this idea of, of the game and, and it's fun to play. And that there can be this kind of <laughs> potential post-apocalyptic <laughs> future mm. for us where that can exist and it doesn't matter. The structures around it don't matter. It isn't so. a de facto uh, violent white supremacist yeah. colonialist uh a misogynist institution like yeah yeah i think that that's very i think that's very important for people to realize too where it's like if you like if you're like if you're like me and you get start to get very interested in uh marxist analyses of of different things it's important i think sometimes for people to hold on to their memory that it's like just because 
art or whatever else exists under a, uh, a framework that isn't egalitarian doesn't mean that it is in and of itself um, evil or reactionary. Like the idea yeah. that people putting on skates and trying to put a puck into a net is going to be inherently, um, you know, colonial or whatever is, is kind of putting the cart before the horse. But yeah, it's certainly taken on those characteristics because of other things that, you know, are sometimes within its control and sometimes outside the boundaries. There's a great book. Um, <laughs> I read it in my last, actually, no, when was it? Uh, I guess my first year of grad school, my first term. It's called Against Pur- Purity. It's by Alexis Shotwell. The subheading is Living Ethically in Compromised Times. And it's a really interesting um, look at a variety of things. But one of the things that really talks about is this idea of liberated futures and what that means. And so it sounds strange to talk about hockey in that sense, but <laughs> you're on the show <laughs> like to this- do it on if you're ever going to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's, fair enough. That's this isn't, this isn't happening on the broadcast. <laughs> like there's no way. Um, uh, and she talks about like a variety, like just a variety of different things, but, um, in thinking about how we understand and, and we project our futures, um, these different kind of ideas and what liberation means for us. Um, and I think I think about that a lot with hockey because of its kind of it's it's almost become so stained, like and that's yeah. where I think when you're talking about can 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 we actually see a liberative future with hockey? Like I don't know, because mm-hmm. for me, um I see, I see a lot of violence. I see a lot of um, representations of exclusion. I see just so much bad stuff. And yet people still play and people still love it. And, <laughs> yep. Certainly. you know, like um, I think about it all the time. Like would, would I want my kids to play hockey? Like I, I don't, I actually don't know. Um, I is honestly, it $6 billion? Like, I don't know if I could afford to have my kids play hockey. I honestly like, think in, the in best reality. thing my mother ever did was veto me playing hockey. Was veto hockey. She was yeah. just concerned about head injuries and about the culture, and yeah. she was 100% right. Like, I, I, don't th- I don't know if I would be a good person if I had had gone into hockey at a young age. I, th- I, I think the culture is, yeah. is really gross a lot of the time, and I think it's hard to salvage, but I, I do basically think that that's not that's not like hockey's fault like the sport you know the concept of the game and i I really but i do really think that it's sort of one of those things where when i see people putting all this effort into like into issues within hockey i understand it because they're just trying to operate within their sphere but what i really think is i i do sort of think that like look we're not going to fix hockey until we fix everything else and yeah. but what what is what we can do and what is useful is that you know you you have to meet people where they're at and where Canadians are at is the NHL and yeah. if you aren't afraid to go into where people are where the action is and point out the things that are wrong and use that as an opportunity to zoom out and help people kind of make the connections uh like, you know, the connections between I think Francesco Aquilini is such a great character because um, 
he is the perfect connective tissue between like all the shit you hate about the Canucks, like all the shit you hate about how he runs the Canucks is mm-hmm. all the shit you hate about like how BC is run because the guy might yeah. as well fucking own British Columbia. You know, he's, he's yeah. gotta be one of, if not the like richest person in British Columbia. And it's, it's yeah. actually really easy to make a case that it's like, well, this guy was willing to spend, um, you know, $36 uh, million on a, a spare part, but you know, he was instrumental in, uh, opposing rent control or whatever, you know, because, and it just, it, it goes to, it's a nice illustration for people who maybe don't always think about, um, these things as, as being connected. Like I just, I guess I just basically feel like, man, you know, if you want to radicalize people towards hating billionaires, the owner of a hockey team <laughs> is a really, really great place to start. Phenomenal. So, you know. Have you heard about the Pagulas? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, we're, you know, we're, we're already at over an hour here, and I somehow haven't uh, touched what I would say is, like, honestly, probably the biggest story in hockey right now, which is that uh, NHL Seattle has a name and yeah. logos and uh, a uniform yeah, mock-up. So, what do you, what do you think of uh seattle uh the seattle kraken uh what do you think of the name what do you think of the sort of uh branding and the the logos and the uniforms what are your overall thoughts okay so i'm going to take a moment to say that i was right about jerry Bruckheimer. (laughs) yeah (laughs) using pirates of the caribbean stuff for his team name um uh, the name is kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I agree. I'm with you. I, I'm not I, a huge the fan thing of the is name. Like, but the thing is, like, I always don't give a shit about team names. And then people point out, like, uh, there's two baseball teams that are named after socks. Yes. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's it's, true. It is like, a, all the all the names fucking suck. Like, what the Canucks is like, I don't Once know, a name's like, been around long enough, it kind of, like... Yeah. You know, there yeah. are certain names where that'll always sound weird. Like, I'm convinced the Golden Knights will always sound weird. Yeah. In the same way that it's like, like, adjectives are never good and too many syllables are never good. So, like, yeah. like a great example is, like, the Rockford Ice Hogs. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's bad. That's a bad name. But, like, even something as dumb as, like, you know, how many people do you think can actually name, like, tell you what a blue jacket is? You know? Okay, yeah, because when I was a kid, yeah. I legitimately thought it was um, because so in the states, like there's they call wasps yellow jackets, yes. and so I thought it was like uh, because I'm a dumbass, yeah. I thought it was like a blue bumblebee. Yeah, and, uh, well, I mean, you're not that stupid because they brand they use that branding for. Yeah, some okay, time. they yeah. did. Okay, there was that a there was a time where their their um their mascot or something was literally like a blue jacket. Um, so, but it, yeah. it really does go to show you that like, like what sports franchises actually have good names. Like if you think about any, any name for long enough, um, it starts to get, yeah. it starts to become really stupid, but the, the, what yeah. really makes or breaks the name is the branding and like the logo yeah. and the, the imagery around it. And I think, um, you know, that's a lot more important. So what were your, what were your thoughts on the, the other elements besides the name? Okay, so uh, I really loved the colors. I thought the colors were really good, especially because I think, like, with the amount of teams you have in the league, like, 
the colors can get pretty crossovery. So you kind of want to have your own brand. And I I really like the the light blue and the dark blue uh, with the touch of red. The I think that the second the the logo from Reddit that the guy got tattooed, which like lol, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, was actually a way better logo. Um, I like the way that the anchor goes into the space needle and the way that when you have the kind of so I'll explain it to people who have sure, seen yeah. it. It's basically like they take the anchor with the space needle and they wrap the around S it. around yeah. that. So it just becomes one logo and it looks so much better, I think. I, um, I'm inclined to agree with you, but I also think that um, – I mean I do actually think, first of all, that the logo on its own is already good. Like especially in, mm. in if we're grading on a curve here in comparison to – not just NHL franchises in general, but expansion franchises, which have always yeah, struggled yeah. with this kind of stuff. But I think that there's almost an opportunity where, like, with with this particular logo, it's um, it's very classic, very like it it will yeah. stand the test of time. Well, it's really clean. And it's, yeah, exactly, the, the and it opens the door for you know six or seven years from now when it's time to kind of adjust things a little bit then they can move towards that logo which i think they probably will because it just looks so good um yeah i do like i do think it looks more like a (laughs) seahorse yeah that's entirely fair i don't really see the crack i um i agree with the with the colors thing though like and i I think i I think they look so i think overall like just your expectations are so low generally and and yeah. Seattle has exceeded my expectations at basically every um every yeah, opportunity and and um and I I like that they went with something fun something mm-hmm. a little different and um I like that they seem to be trying to to cultivate like a a very unique identity um yeah that that is something that like I, I thought the Golden Knights kind of went halfway and it didn't it didn't stick and it didn't land and and instead they've yeah. kind of faded into this sort of weird like Frankenstein sort of team where <laughs> yeah. where for the most part they're not that remarkable and then they do and then they just have certain things that are a little campy but they didn't go far enough with it so it's just kind of uncanny. Yeah. I like that the I like that the Kraken are just like no, we're silly. You know, like yeah. we're gonna be yeah. big and and you know have the big colors and the the big goofy you know teaser trailer or whatever. Like, go big or go home. You might as well, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think they 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 did a really good job with their branding. I will say that, and the kind of uh, yeah, the way that they rolled it out was was pretty good. And I like, <laughs> I'll probably say my opinions on jerseys are not great and <laughs> here's my hot take like i don't like a single one of the canucks jerseys oh yeah, ever. yeah I, I honestly don't like ever. i honestly don't mind and that. i think i don't have the i don't have the kind of nostalgic appeal of the 94 jersey because like i think you're only a year older yeah. than me but i didn't really get no, that yeah, I and then by it. the time i grew up with a dad who was a leafs fan so by the time that i was like cognizant of hockey where i was choosing to consume it by myself mm-hmm. was like later on in the west coast express years and so those would be my nostalgic totally but those jerseys don't look that good (laughs) yeah Yeah. so like i don't have anything and i i don't like the canucks 
dirty so for me it's like eh, yeah okay no whatever. i get it they've had know, good it's... my feelings on the canucks jerseys is that they've had good color schemes but they've never had a good jersey like also their logo is cultural appropriation <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> they stole high art in, and the the like the bad kind of cultural appropriation not the yeah. like not the like trumped up like ah you you did a a music that's not a hundred percent from your race kind of cultural appropriation yeah. like the actual like yeah. we stole the aesthetic of like uh native art without like compensating native people for it and yeah it's, it's well yeah bad. and like that's the that's the complicated thing because um in my head i'm like oh yeah we could get like a really cool like indigenous artist to do like a sick logo but then i'm also like i don't i don't want the Aquilinis to profit off of this, <laughs> yeah, like at totally. all. No, do your own artwork. I'll buy your own yeah, artwork. Totally. I get that. Do not. It's like one of those. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, things, it goes so. back to our whole like, can you get there from here kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. But um, yeah. I guess we're we're um, definitely good on time now. So I'm just going to ask you one last thing on like the the classic uh, Roxy Fever note. It's something we've been meaning to get to we mentioned it on the last episode and then we forgot to talk about it uh on the episode before that but i would just be curious to get your thoughts on uh the entire province of quebec getting mad at uh jd burke <laughs> did you see that okay uh, do you no, remember because it? Okay. i was because I was not on Twitter, I had to take like an ADHD Twitter break because I was hyper. I was hyper fixated. Yes, yeah, I've been there. Things. I think I might have made some people mad. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't remember. Fair enough. But usually, like, so uh, here's where I'll be like extremely transparent with my ill brain. Yes, I um, I have a tendency to like say that I'm leaving Twitter, but then I don't because I can't. Like, my yeah, brain absolutely. just needs like the constant whatever. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm logging off, and then you'll see me tweeting like five minutes later yes. <laughs> uh so i make i give my phone to israel and i make him change the password ah, yes. so i literally cannot access twitter because i have no self-control so i was offline and then i logged back on and all i see was jd's tweet of like uh i'm sorry that i said bad <laughs> things about french canadians i will not be commenting on this any okay. further and i was like i should have messaged the chat and been like What's fuck going, i was away yeah. for one week and jd did racism like what the hell so, okay i'll fill you in then just on a on like yes, a, a slight explain. note here um uh, yeah i'll fill you in uh the what basically happened was jd <laughs> if you remember do you remember what happened uh in at parliament like I don't know, either yesterday or a million years ago, um, because I have no <laughs> sense of time, where, you know, Trudeau tried to do the very Trudeau thing of, um, oh, we're going to, you know, just make a broad declaration acknowledging that there's systemic racism within the RCMP, right? Just like oh, okay. the most, like, baseline, yeah, yeah. performative, like, well, we're at least going to say it. You know, like, yeah. I, like, see, see, folks, we're better than than the conservatives because we'll say that things are bad instead of just saying that they're good. Um, and uh, and basically everyone was b completely like, yeah, obviously that's true. You know, we're going to sign on for it. And then either the head of the Bloc Québécois or certain MPs from the Bloc Québécois or just the party as a whole um, was basically opposed to it and the sticking the sticking oh, okay. point was systemic, which is obviously like the entire point. Um, 
But they basically said, you know, we're not going to do it because we don't agree with the systemic oh thing or whatever. Gosh. And anyways, there's a news story about it. And uh, JD tweeted out um, basically something along the lines of uh, French Canadians somehow still the most t- racist type of French person. Um, oh and it, it got picked up by um, a blog called Dans les Coulisses. And they, like, wrote an article <laughs> oh about God. it in French. Um, and uh, it was it was just, oh like, the, the, the crux of it uh. was basically, like, yeah, you know, some guy from, like, La Société Nationale du Visage Noir or something, you know, it was, like, um, we, you know, uh, what... But does this guy even know any French people? Like, does he? Oh um, my God. Was it what was? Hey, is he French? What were his personal uh, experiences with francophones that informed his uh, his <laughs> beliefs on this? And and they were like explicitly like like tying it to um, like another person who had like recently um, said that like white people actually experience more racism than black people or something. So they were literally just being like, this is the same as saying the N word. And like, I hope this guy apologizes. And then, I mean, obviously you saw the apology. So like, um, what were your, what, what did you think of his apology? I literally just read it and I was like, Oh, because how many times has he apologized this year? Like four times. It was funny. Yeah. It seems like it. Because he apologized for the anthem thing. I don't know if he, said, he actually apologized. I like, think. Okay. I think he did a. I think I th- you know what, what he did. I think he did a note set. Oh yeah, I mean, he may have. I think he. I, but I think his apology was not so much like he's. He was like, I'm not sorry that I didn't stand, but I. No, I think it was that it was like bringing negative it, it stuff to. Elite more like it was like I'm I I but I do like I do apologize for like bringing attention onto yeah you know, like, he, or whatever right like because yeah. he probably was a because he was probably a little bitch about Cheryl, it when people whatever. gave him a hard time or whatever right so but i yeah. i did love his apology because it just reminded me of like you know did you ever like oh God, you know so steal your friend's legos or something or like <laughs> and your mom would just like drag you over to their house by the ear and oh be like say sorry to your friend yeah. and you're like sorry <laughs> so funny and it's just like i could see you know that happening to him except the person who has him by the ear is just like you know bell media or whatever (laughs) yeah (laughs) just amazing i can't believe i didn't message but yeah it was so funny i just logged on i was like oh fuck i was away for a week and jd did write something like this (laughs) this is how it's been (laughs) and then i think i saw i think mal had like tweeted something about like angering french canadians too or something well the funny thing is that like everybody in our little crew is like all about doing racism to different types of white people because it's because it's (laughs) hilarious and i mean it's it's so funny that like i wonder if these are the same people or if like they the reason people caught on to it is like because they were informed by the same people who like tried to cancel me over my anti-Italian racism. <laughs> um, oh God. Uh, I always just, I always find it so funny, but any, Oh dude, like welcome to the fucking club. I study settler colonialism. I get accused of being racist against white people. Ah, like it rocks every day, except I get to say that I'm a scholar and the government is <laughs> <me>. <laughs> even better. Yeah. You're doing, you're doing yeah, cultural to- Marxism. <laughs> 
in in the Well, I get to flex in their face and be like, "Oh yeah, well, that's interesting that you think I'm being racist against white people. <laughs> Your government is paying me." And then they get that, really yeah, mad they at get Trudeau even more mad. Kind of yeah, Trudeau, <laughs> yeah. son of son of Fidel Castro, <laughs> showing his his communist oh, roots. Um, so yeah, but seriously, like to those people, like. I recommend you don't Google Quebecois de Souche because you will not be happy. <laughs> All right. Well, um, <laughs> I appreciate you joining me for uh, over an hour and, and saving my ass on the, the episode that we lost. Is there, uh, is oh, there anything no. you'd like to plug before we sign off? I don't know. Should I extend the broadcast media tour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, why not? Right? Like, yeah. Uh, you can follow my lovely podcast at, broadcast pod or actually i think it's just at the broadcast holy shit i don't know what the <laughs> uh let me <laughs> add broadcast there pod. We go. okay add broadcast it. pod uh on yeah so you can follow that on twitter on instagram we are doing a lovely series called 31 thoughts <laughs> where we highlight the thoughtiest nhl players <laughs> and if you are wondering what thought means then i recommend you google it um and you can follow me on Twitter at Georgia Twist. Um, for the podcast, I think right now we're aiming for episodes to come out on Fridays. Rock on. Um, Good yeah, luck with that. Our, like, Trying to record uh, and release on the same day every <laughs> week is uh, like nearly impossible. But hopefully your producer doesn't have ADHD. So maybe that will make it a little <laughs> bit easier. Um, I mean, we have five of us to wrangle, Fair so yeah. that can get kind of hectic. But yeah, in the meantime, yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Jackson McDonald. You can follow the pod at Roxy Fever. Um, you should definitely subscribe to the Patreon, where uh, we yes. just did an episode on John Tortorella. Um, and just on on a final note here, Georgia, I actually wanted to, um, I, I wanted to like focus group test this take uh, in front of a friendly audience. So I was thinking about John Tortorella the other day, right? And John Tortorella, what do we know about John Tortorella? Loves dogs, right? Yeah. Uh, Publicly called out Sean Avery for uh, what he said about Alicia Cuthbert. So hates misogyny. Um, Okay. uh, Had a Murphy bed installed in his office. All about (laughs) self-care. I think... John Tortorella <laughs> might be uh, the first female coach in NHL history. What do you think about that? <laughs> He's abroad. That's right. Yeah. That's what he is. You should have him on the show. Um, he would call us broads. He absolutely sure. would. And I'm so I'm so glad you're taking the you're bringing that term back because it's one of my favorites. And I, I oh, can't... we have gotten the emails. Some guy emailed us that his grandmother would be really upset. Well, I mean, really? yeah, I, who could Sorry, dude. <laughs> he should have he should have seen. I mean, pff, good thing you guys didn't go with the original uh, name pod. <laughs> um, that would have been terrible. Oh, no, we were going to be called the we were going to be called the dumb bitch pod. Oh, that rocks. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I think I stole that joke from Mal. Mal, you get credit for that. <laughs> that's <joke>. great. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and so in the meantime, uh, you can. Uh, direct just photos of the Quebec flag to at Dre Dillon Burke <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs>